Well, welcome everybody. Glad you showed tonight. Glad you came tonight. And it may look, I'm, look like I'm looking for something, and I am. Alan, do you see the clicker? Oh, is that the clicker right there on the table? Great. Do you know why that clicker is so important? Thank you, Jerry. The movement of cartoons. And if you can't move cartoons, then you just have to step. We have to go back to Ty again and find out that this person's not in good shape here. And we don't want to do that. So we'll, we got to move to cartoons. Welcome, everybody. Glad you came tonight. And uh, it is the temperature is about to be just right in here. So if it feels a little too warm, a little too cool, don't even, it, it'll be just right pretty soon. Surely, right? Maybe. All right. Okay, we're going to be in 1 John. You might want to turn there. Um, I'm going to say a little bit about that, and then we'll look at, I'm going to pray, look at cartoons. Um, some of you... Uh, Go ahead and say this. Uh, this this will be Alan Black's last Wednesday evening here before he and Nancy go on their trip to surgery, and we want to mention them in our prayer tonight. Um, welcome, welcome, everybody. We got handouts. We got seats with headrest in the back. Whatever you need tonight. And again, if some of you uh, need to meditate tonight, and I see you with your eyes closed, and I know you're in prayer, you're deep in thought, perfectly understandable. All right, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for our evening. We thank you for your word. We thank you, O oh Lord, for uh, giving us a nice place here to meet. Um, pray that we would <clears throat> find a, a few things helpful tonight. And in what we do, and ask all of this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> and, excuse me, <clears throat> and I meant to mention, of course, what I just mentioned, Alan and Nancy Black, and let's continue to pray for them. Uh, they leave a week from today. So, we'll look at a few cartoons Again, those of you who have been in this class, some of these are funny and some are only worth kind of a, somebody did this for me last week, kind of a chuckle. I think it was uh, somebody. Some of them are just kind of worth, worth a, <laughs> like, kind of like that. You did it. it Beverly, I, was, I wasn't, okay. Um. Is liking myself on Facebook a sin? <coughs> Pastor? Pastor Tim spends too much time on Facebook. Did I show these last week? Let me look at a couple more of these. If, uh, 
if you've never seen these before, you might want to raise your hand. Um, Pastor Tim spends too much time on Facebook at tonight's meeting. He tried to unelder me. <coughs> you know what? Um, these are last week's. Huh? Two weeks ago? Okay, okay. This is where what I would like to do is say, Russ. Um, okay, so. Jerry. It's sad when we're showing cartoons and the biggest laugh Jerry got. Bubba? Yeah. That's helpful. Since we bought those bacon scented, I remember these candles. Male attendance is up 30%. Yeah, we saw this. So that's four votes to approve the minutes, one vote to simply tolerate them. Yeah. Here's one. You do realize that some people actually enjoy the greeting time. Okay, some of you health people can see the, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, then we got the fancy collection tray. We're first-time visitors. Did you misinterpret, do you misinterpret Scripture every Sunday, or is this a special series? <laughs> I got a little laugh. And then I remember this one. According to the recent toxic uh, substance inspection, they found asbestos in the sanctuary, lead paint in the basement, and a deacon criticizing your leadership in the adult Sunday school room. All right. So, uh, we showed those, hadn't we? I'm standing here thinking, did I send the right thing to Russ, or what did we do? But you know what? The chance, who, some of y'all know Russ Terman and then you've been around me, there's a greater chance, who, who thinks there's a greater chance of me being wrong or Russ? I'd vote for me. I probably goofed if anybody did. Okay, let's get into 1 John. Um, I was telling Charlotte the other day uh, about this, this 1 John. Um, I don't know when I've enjoyed teaching something so much as this right now. And it's not, I mean, I like you a lot, but what I like even more is what I'm getting out of this. Um, I'm finding this very encouraging to me. Um, maybe I just needed this. Uh, there's just a lot of encouragement here about what we have in Christ. And uh, anyway, I just, want, uh, I just want to tell you that, that uh, if it seems like I just really love this, I just really love this. Um, and so we're going to be in chapter 2, uh, 15. We'll, man, we may go to chapter 3 about verse 10. Um, as we go through this and it appears that I'm skipping stuff, that's exactly what we're doing. Man, I don't want to be here all night, do you? And, and we just got a little bit of time, so... We're, 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 I've highlighted some things that I think might be helpful, and uh, that's what we'll do, okay? Um, chapter 2, verse 18. 
Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Just stay with me. 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. That's very important there. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist. Denying the Father and the Son, no one who denies the Father denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. <clears throat> As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> and this is what he promised us, eternal life. <coughs> Think about, if you would, a time, <coughs> excuse me, when you took, when you bought something and you feel like you got taken. None of you? <coughs> Excuse me. Hmm. Very good. Not very good that, that happened. <laughs> got another? You bought something and you feel like you got taken. You guys are such smart buyers. I'll do one. You'll think, well, boy, Jim and Charlotte sure do dumb things. <laughs> we had a guy come by <clears throat> our house one time. We were, li we were living in uh, Waco. And I answered the door. Charlotte was not there. This older gentleman, you know how old he was? I have no idea, but he seemed older than me. Had his hat in his hand. And he said, sir? could I plant a tree for you in your yard? I'll do it a real good job, and I really need the money. I'll, uh, you'll be pleased with my work. And I looked at him, and he's got his hat in his hand. And he kind of looked pathetic. And you know what I said? Okay. I mean, I didn't know a thing about this. So 
he's planting these two little trees in our front yard. Charlotte drives up. Here's two trees in our yard. Where'd you get those? Well, there's this man with his hat in his hand. Of course, they soon died. And um, I watch out for people with hats in their hands. But that, I felt really dumb when that was over. I need one more example, preferably from not from our family. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Well, good example, Tammy. We, we've all got the bubble. Plenty of examples of, of thinking we were, we're dealing with the real thing and what we're dealing with is counterfeit. These people in this church, um, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever been in a church where everybody's just kind of worn out for, for certain reasons. These people, I get the impression these people are worn out. They've had folks among them who have questioned, and we talk, we've talked about this for a number of weeks, uh, questioned uh, whether or not Jesus was the real deal, whether or not he was really human, in essence, whether or not he was really the Christ. Um, has all kinds of impl implications, uh, their view of, of the flesh for how you view sin. And um, evidently there's... I'm reading between a lot of lines here, but evidently there's a lot of lovelessness going on among this group. Evidently they're not too serious about actually carrying out the teachings of Jesus. And finally, a bunch of them, they leave, and, and they just kind of leave this bunch here. Okay, And now John writes to, to encourage these people who, who remain. Not everybody, look at your notes, not everybody has your best interest in mind. He says, regarding these people who have left, they went out from us, they deny the Father and Son, and what they are teaching is a lie. It's pretty strong language, isn't it? Not just that they are, uh, you know, made a mistake, but what they are teaching is a lie. And so he describes in this little section here, there are two families at work. Those who are children of the devil, referred to as Antichrist here. And then the children of God, who, who he says have this anointing from the Holy One. We're not going to wade through all of this section here, but just for whatever it's worth. Uh, you know, when you read about the last hour, something like that, or the last days, think in terms not so much of chronology, like you would look at a calendar or a watch, Think in terms of what God is doing in this world. We live in the last days as we await God's big moment, the second coming. And 
he says, in the meantime, you have had these people come among you. It's not one antichrist, it's antichrist, plural. These people have come among you and they're not friends of the Lord by what they're teaching. Some of you, all of you rather, all of you have this anointing. I think he's referring to the spirit, have this anointing. Have you ever been around Christians that, not, not any in here, of course, but you've been around Christians who felt like they knew a whole lot more than you. And they just kind of had this way about them of making you feel about this big in the Lord. Years and years ago, at one of the churches where we served, we had a little group in our church. <clears throat> um, and basically, uh, they spent a lot of time together. It's just a very, it's a handful. But the, the way they, what they would do is, is they would talk about these deep insights they had in, into the Bible, into the ways of the Lord. And the problem with, with this, according to them, is that uh, most of the rest of the church couldn't grasp these deep insights. And, and so the, most of the church just didn't get it. And so you've, you've got this, this situation here, and, and John reminds them, you know, all of you, you all have this anointing. It's not one or two of you. You all have been taught by the Lord, okay? Now look at the next section. He's going to give us some encouragement to, to, that we may need to live as children of God. And the first one is to remain in the Father and the Son. Remain in the Father and the Son. Look at 18 again, if you would. Oh, I, not 18. I'm sorry. Look at 24 and 25. Because somebody read? I learned after I tried to read a moment ago, I don't need to do that tonight. 24 and 25. <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's this there's this language in uh, in in the Gospel of John. In fact, turn to John 15 if you would. There's this language in the Gospel of John: "Abide in me, abide in me." Right? Um, and and I I'm, I think the the term here, "remain in me," we're talking basically the same thing. I want you to really be a disciple. I want you to drink deeply of the Lord. I want, I want you, to, well, look at 15. John 15. Somebody read four through seven, if you would. Remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. 
Thank you, Nancy. Um, just very quickly, um, th this encouragement to remain in the Lord uh, has a lot to do with his teachings, has a lot to do with the fruit of their lives. Um, back to 1 John uh, chapter 2. Um, that's language that we don't always use every day, or at least in the circles I'm in. We don't often use that language of, you know, we need to just remain in the Lord or abide in the Lord. Th let's, let's think of, of what we're about to read as just some moments of encouragement. Number one, to these people, and maybe to all of us, he's saying, you know, you, you stay very, very focused on Jesus. You remain in Jesus. Remain in Jesus. I brought my computer tonight. Isn't that a thrill? And um, the screen is, is not lit up, okay? And sometimes, there have been times where I've, I've walked up to my computer and the screen was not lit up and I touched the keys and still it didn't light up. And as those of you who live with these kind of machines know, um, what's probably wrong? Battery's probably dead, yeah. And so, I'm going to get my little gizmo cord here, you know, I'm gonna look around it and find this socket in the wall over there, over there. I'm gonna plug it in, and I'm gonna plug this into my computer, and what typically happens once you get it plugged in, if your battery's dead? What typically happens? And at least on my computer, it says that it's beginning to charge. Remain in me. Don't try to live where you're disconnected from me. If you try to live where you're disconnected from the Lord, what's going to be the result of a life like that? Not going to function very well. Not going to function very well. And I can walk around with this dead battery and I can talk about it and I can hold it and I can try to make it work. I can try real hard. I, I have sermons I used to, used to preach like that. I never titled it that, but basically the sermon was called Try Harder. Because I was convinced at one time the problem with you, with you folks and the problem with me is we weren't trying hard enough. You know? And some of you know that you can do things if you just try. All right, let's all move this. What is it? Let's all move this big table tonight. And so we get over here. You get at that. You know, let's get some strong women over here and let's all... Let's all pick up this table and we're rolling up our sleeves and, you know, we're just kind of convinced that if we try real hard and really lift this thing up, we can move it. And that's the answer many of us have to our lives. You just need to try harder. What's the problem with that? You can get worn out real quick. Oh, and what, what's another problem with, with, with seeing that is the, the main so, solution to everything? It's, it's me trying to do it. It's me trying to do it. Keep going. There's some things you're not strong enough to do. Yeah. Okay. 
we got to jump back in here, but one of the, Beverly said, there's some things we're not strong enough to do. You ever tried to fix your kids? Oh, have mercy. <laughs> you know, I've told Charlotte, said if she would just listen, if she would just listen just for a minute, because I'm just convinced I know how to fix this. And you say, well, that's true sometimes. Yes, it is. But what Sometimes we just kind of take off with the, the, the issue. Well, I guess I'm overdoing this, but what, what I want to stress is the answer to our life is not how hard you can try. It's whether or not you are going to stay plugged in to the one that enables you to bear fruit, that enables you to live as a disciple, and that gives you eternal life. You know, gives you eternal life. He, this word of encouragement here to these people who have just been through it, and he says, verse 24, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. Don't let go of that. If it does, you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. And one of the things I, I just we just need to all remember is life is found in remaining in Jesus. You can't be smart enough to do this. You can't try hard enough to do this. Our life is found in Jesus himself. But I got to stay plugged in. Does that, that make any sense? And some of you know, as, as I do, what happens when you kind of get disconnected, you know, your Bible, just, it's right where it was last Sunday and, and there's not much prayer going on and you're, you're not really drinking of, of, of the Lord, but you're just sort of, I don't know, trying to do it yourself, you know? Now that, I don't, maybe there's nobody in here needs to remember that but me, but I need to hear that again. I want to start my new year making sure I'm plugged into the wall instead of walking around wondering why a dead battery doesn't do better. Okay? Now look at your notes again. Number two, there is encouragement to keep before us or keep before you the amazing reality of being a child of God. Chapter 3, verse 1. Could somebody read 3, 1 through 3, if you would? Excellent. Keep before you, keep, let's keep before us the amazing reality of being a child of God. And John reminds them of what they've experienced. I, I love the language here. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. What comes to mind when you think of the word lavish? 
abundance, abundance. We're about to leave in a minute. There's a surprise announcement. The high school group is serving ice cream. Now, if you like ice cream, this is your night. Because when the high school group serves ice cream, do you know how much you're going to get? This is not like the little group serving ice cream. We've only got three cartons now. Let's make sure that we... This is not that. The high school group serves ice cream, and what do they do with those? What do they do in your, in your, in your cup or your, your bowl? Oh, they just pour it on. Big scoop. I, I can't eat all of that. Oh, you're, you're going <laughs> to... They lavish it on there. This wonderful story I heard years ago of the guy who took his first cruise, took his first cruise, and he, and he came prepared. I mean, he took everything he had to pay for that cruise, and so he brought as much food as he could in his suitcase and <clears throat> got to his room and ate something, I don't know, cheese and crackers or the little sausages or something, but ate and then went about his day. And then at lunch, when people were going to getting in the buffet lines, he went back to his room. He was just, he was just so glad to be there. And he, he knew, I'm just doing good to, to get to come. And according to this story, which may or may not be true, I don't have any idea. According to this story, he gets to the last day and somebody says, where do you keep going every time we eat? And he explained, I don't have a lot of money for the meals. And they said, do you know these are included? The meals are included. All week long, you, you could have been eating with us. What God has done in Christ, he's not sent us to, it's, it's not like, you know, you can have cheese and crackers that might get you through and the, the preachers and the elders and everybody else gets to eat well. Man, this is buffet. He has lavished. All of God's riches are ours. And he says, God has lavished. God has lavished on us his love that we should be called the children of God. The children of God. Now, how do you know who, who the important people are? Have y'all seen anybody lately that's important? Uh, our youngest daughter went to Pepperdine Lectures with me one year, and we were in the uh, grocery store pretty almost across, across the way from Pepperdine. And Jamie and I were in there, and I, and we decided to split up and she was going to go get the bananas. And so I'm over here looking for something and I turn around and she's standing there holding one banana. I said, one banana? And she said, you'll never guess who I saw. And, said, look, 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 look. and she showed me the aisle and it was this guy from this comedy that, you know, and I, I didn't know the person. She was telling me all about him. And I said, well, what about the banana? I'll go get more, but Dad, look, I've never seen right there. And then she saw somebody else. Well, you know, in her in her mind, she was a young girl, just I think right out of 
maybe in college or right out of college, in her mind, man, these people were important. John says, do you get whose family you're a part of? You're a child of God. Not you, of course, but some folks, you know, don't think they're all that significant because, you know, I, where I grew up or where I was raised or I asked some old boy not long ago, I said, well, where are you from? And he said, oh, you wouldn't know. I, I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, I said, a little old town in Oklahoma. You never heard of it. And, I, and the way he was saying it was, it's not all that important. And I kind of took that to mean I'm just not all that much either. And John says, I know this is hard. All these people have left, and you've been through a lot of turmoil in this church. But if you'll look in the mirror and remember who you are before God, oh my goodness. When every, every day, when you look in the mirror, you're, you're staring at someone who's a child of God and who has experienced the, this, this, this love of God that's been lavished on you and me. Look at your notes, if you would. Um, it's amazing that God has lavished his love on us, no, number three. But he warns us not to let the evil one lead us astray. Not to let the evil one lead us astray. Well, look at chapter 3. Could somebody read, is it 4? Is that it, 4 through 10? Would you mind reading that? Thank you, Casey. So we start this little section with these, this, these, you know, warnings about these people. Reminder: This is not a good thing. What you've been through with these these antichrists, these people who have spoken against the Lord Jesus, and then this word of encouragement. I want you to remain in me. A reminder: This is who you are. You are a child of God, and then. This little section here that Casey read uh, is kind of the so what part. So, so what are the implications of this? Let's talk about, um, I mean, he says, 
everybody who's sin breaks the law. Sin is lawlessness. It's like he's reminding them again, you know, when, when you disobey the Lord, when you sin, that is a big deal. In spite of what you've heard, this is a big deal. What's the, if you were going to describe kind of a view of sin and, and like our, 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 our culture right now, what words would you use? Or does, how do we see this as a culture? A quaint idea. Good start. I made a mistake. I was listening to a podcast yesterday. It was a uh, <clears throat> it was a business podcast, but the uh, the 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 voice, the narrator, uh, had on her, her podcast this. Uh, person who is a minister who authored a book that I, I like and anyway she she opened the thing by saying uh, I need to tell you I'm not a religious person in fact I'm not a Christian but I find your book so fascinating and I think she was almost surprised that that it could be interesting. So in other words, some of us view uh, God and Jesus as, you know, something that's pretty irrelevant to my life, and sin as if it's quaint or distant, uh, or, or when the word sin, I, I picture flipping my channels and seeing this angry preacher in a suit, you know, preaching on my television screen seconds before I turn it. How else does this culture see this? Not this important. not important. It doesn't even exist. Yeah. But it doesn't even exist. Many people would see sin as basically kind of non-existent because, you know, I'm a good person. I'm a really good person. I have a good heart. And you know, just ignore some of the things I, I've done. Maybe they weren't the best, uh, you know, moments of judgment uh, for me. But but I'm a good person, and I've got a good heart. John takes us down a different road. Sin is lawlessness. It's lawlessness. Now, as a Christian person, what are some views of sin? that are not helpful or not true. What, what could we do with that as Christian people? Not helpful or not true. Well, I've heard this in the book you cannot sin. Oh, okay, yeah, you cannot, you can, yeah. Yeah, which he's already addressed in chapter one, but yeah, yeah, that's up, some could do that. Yeah, what else? How could some Christians kind of take a view of sin that's not very helpful. Could some Christian people take a view of sin much like people in the world do? Well, I'm just human. I'm just human. I'm not yeah, and that's, that's code very often. I'm not perfect for there's some things I don't want to give up. Well, this one yeah. 
What, what's that, Connie? God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy. And if God wants me to be happy, that trumps most everything else. Right? Um, she was, I think, over here. She had been sitting in the back. And uh, she hadn't been to church in a long time. And I was talking to her one evening. I think this was a, this, back in the days we had Sunday evening services. And I asked her how she was doing, and, and she said, fine. And uh, she said, you know, I know I've been doing things that aren't right. She had been living with this guy. And I know I'm doing things that aren't right, but I really don't regret it because uh, I just think God knows my heart and kind of who I am. And, and it's, it's interesting how we do that, isn't it? Um, there are people who have been Christians for many, many years who kind of think like that. And I guess what I want to do as a, as a believer is I just want to make sure that I understand that sin, as described here, um, th this is pretty serious stuff. At one time, I think I mentioned this in the class, but it's okay. Um, at one time, I had this view, uh, I was a young, young guy, that sin was basically just kind of being naughty, you know? I mean, everything I wanted to do was naughty. I mean, I, you know, I thought about that. I thought about bad things all the time. You know, sin is just naughty. And so, you know... Uh, if, if it's just naughty, then what bothers you the most about sin? Not getting caught. The truth is, sin is not naughty. That's not what's bad about sin. Sin is what will absolutely destroy your soul. And I want to tell you that is as true in the 21st century as ever. It will destroy your soul. It'll destroy your soul as you step out into the parking lot and get in that new car and drive to that nice house. It just, it just, God didn't say this was wrong because he didn't want naughty people. God says this is wrong because this is what destroys human beings. My goodness. And, and part of the challenge in churches today is we, we've, if we're, some of us have been Christians for so long, it's just kind of easy to nod off. Not literally. It's just kind of easy to just kind of hear all this and go, yeah, 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 I've heard all this before. And in the meantime, we're just seeing lives fall all around us. And maybe even looking in the mirror and seeing somebody that's different from what they were at one time. Look at your notes if you would. If we are children of God or have been born of God, we do not continue to sin. Uh, uh, we talked a little bit about, we talked about the trip to Sarasota. Where's our group tonight? Right here. Thank you. 
they already volunteered. We talked a few weeks ago about this idea of all of us heading in God's direction, and the issue is not perfection, but it's what? Direction. That the, what's being discussed in 1 John is how, it's not how can Christians be perfect people. You know, when somebody comes in, well, I'm not perfect, that's not even the issue. The issue is, are we headed in the right direction? And uh, on your notes, um, one of the things we do, we don't continue to sin. In other words, we don't sit here and just act like, well, everything's going to be all right. I'm just like my daddy, and i got a temper. And Well, you know, a lot of these people aren't faithful. And blah, blah, blah. Uh, You don't continue to do that. You get on, you, you, get, you get with the group because we're headed somewhere. That makes sense? You say, well, I don't know if, yeah, you just come along. And folks will help pick you up when you have a flat or something or whatever. But, but you come along. It's all about headed in the right direction. We love other disciples if we're children of God. Something is wrong if I claim to be a mature believer. I can't get, along, I can't get along with folks. I'm the most obnoxious guy around. There's something wrong with that. Number three, we do what is right. We're serious about following Jesus. Um, you know, one of the things I need to be asking as I sit in classes like this, and, and I'm, I'm talking not just about uh, you, but about me as well. When I sit in classes like this, I need to be asking, is there a place here where I need to respond in obedience? I mean, I could care less about helping people get smarter. This is not, that's not what we're doing. This is about transformation. Yes, we want to grow in knowledge, but that alone is not sufficient, is it? And so I want to ask myself, is there, is there a point here where, where I know I need to, to be in obedience to the Lord Jesus? Does that make sense? Imagine going to your doctor. You know, mine's present. Imagine going to your doctor and he said, you need to do this, and I want to suggest you do this, and I'm just going, yeah, 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 uh, just nodding my head. I don't have any, I don't, I just, it's going in one ear and out the other. Does that make any sense? And then put it in the plate and call out a Sunday. No. I, I, I'm praying that in some way I might grasp, if we're all headed in the right direction, where do I need to make an adjustment? Does that, does that make any sense? We're probably ready to wrap this up, aren't we? Um, look at the next section. Consequently, we don't remain in a lifestyle of sin. We are serious about our purity. We're serious about our purity. There are two things we probably ought to all say together. One thing we could say together is, that's easier said than done. We, we, sometimes we love to say that as if that kind of says something, but maybe we ought to all say that tonight. That's easier said than done. The other thing we could say is, well, I'm not perfect. Now that we got that out of our system, the thing to ask is, how do I take my own purity seriously? You know, how do I take that seriously? 
now that I can't run to the perfection thing or I can't do the better, whatever that is, the other thing, how do I, how do I take that seriously? And then number two, we avoid lawlessness. We're not a people who have this disposition towards sin. We avoid being led astray. And so I want to wrap this up with these, the following bewares. Beware, number one, bottom of the page, of assuming that God has forgiven me of my really bad sins, but all the rest doesn't matter because I have a good heart. God has forgiven me of those nasty sins that, that I would just die if somebody here knew that. But the rest of those um, don't really matter because I, my good heart, you know, I've got a good heart. Beware of that. Beware of assuming that God will forgive me of all my regular sins, but the really bad, shameful sins, I'm not so sure. God, I know God forgives me, except for what I did June 28, 1973. Oh, my goodness. <coughs> I must have lost my mind that day. You know what I'm saying? There's some folks like that that, you know, one lady told me, she said, I know I was having sex with my boyfriend. She said, I know God has been punishing me for years and years and years because I went against his will. I'm talking about a godly woman who in church every Sunday and here on Wednesday night, but has convinced herself that God has pulled back on this one thing. And then the third, beware, assuming that I really don't have a sin problem. After all, no one is perfect and I'm really a good person. Um, I had a friend of mine, ours, pass away yesterday. I haven't seen him in years. Um, Reggie <clears throat> went to Southwestern Christian College, went, spent a year at Pepperdine, and uh, his parents were members of the, the old Cedar Crest Church of Christ in Dallas. But I, went, I began going to this church when I was a student at the University of North Texas, and Reggie had just come from Pepperdine. And I had been out of church for a good while and been kind of in another lifestyle. And I started going to this church and I met him. And his parents lived not very far from the church building. And, you know, I just liked this guy. There were some other people there I liked. and I, I hadn't had Christian friends in years. And so that was just nice. And one day he asked me if I'd ever read anything by C.S. Lewis. And I told him I didn't know who C.S. Lewis was. And he said, are you familiar with Francis Schaeffer? I said, no, I didn't know him. And went over to his house one day and he showed me his little bookshelf. And here were all these books. And I thought, man, this guy's read all these things. Wow. And I remember hearing, I remember reading this guy, Francis Schaeffer, and he had this, he had this place in Switzerland. This is an American, but had a, had a place in Switzerland where a lot of college kids would, would go who had grown up in faith and had left and were trying to find their way back again. 
And I was really drawn to him. I read a lot of his books. And part of my own beef at that time is I felt like the church that I was most familiar with was just irrelevant to what I was wrestling with. You don't ever talk about any of this stuff. And now I'm reading this paperback book where this person is talking about everything I'm thinking about. And I remember Schaefer talking about sin and the brokenness of the world and the brokenness of human beings and just drawn to that. So decades and decades later, yesterday, I I saw that my friend had passed away and I wrote his sister and I told her a little bit of this. But I've been thinking, you know, there are good people that have surrounded me that have made me better. Isn't that true with you? And you probably have names for some of these people. Good people who have surrounded you and have made you better. You read a book like First John, and I kind of come away, you know, thinking, man, I sure am glad for this encouragement because sometimes I get pretty discouraged. But I'm also reminded he writes to this group collectively, you know, I can't do this by myself. I'm, I tell you right now, I can't do this by myself. This lady comes up to me the other day. She says, I just want to tell you, you had a good class. And I guess you get tired of hearing that. I thought, lady, I need every helpful, encouraging word I can get. Aren't you that way? I mean, I, I, no, nobody I know is overdosing on encouragement. And, and I just want to leave you with it. We need one another because we need to remain in the Lord together. We're traveling together, aren't we? Does that make any sense?